0: Welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today.
1: The finished work of the cross, it means something different to everybody. It's the revelations we get of that finished work that bring us into who we are in that moment. Because it's a journey, not a 50-yard dash, right? And it's all a matter of our heart. So if our heart is in that place to receive the revelation somebody else has... We, too, can now step into that place. Pastor Craig brought to my heart, and Holy Spirit accentuated, we have a word over this body that is so alive it's incredible. We do. And it's happening. And what is that? We are not going to be. We are the healthiest, wealthiest, most influential church in the region. In the natural, prove it wrong. It's not going to happen. We see it all the time. And you're going to hear the testimonies of some of that today. If you weren't here last time we did Testimony Sunday, I'd really encourage you to go back on YouTube, find it, or rumble, and listen to it. This is powerful stuff that God is doing in our family. Why? Because Jesus is the testimony. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's not about... Any individual other than Jesus Jesus is the testimony revelation 1910 so I fell at his feet to worship him but he told me do not do that I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who rely on the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy So, go back in your sanctified imagination for a minute. What did the disciples have to share when they were still walking with Jesus and they were off doing something, picking up some food or gathering a group? What did they have? They didn't have the New Testament and they didn't carry around the Torah. How did they share Jesus and his message? The testimony, the testimony built this kingdom. The testimony built this kingdom. And we have been manipulated into not sharing testimonies the way we should. Can we get a, uh, a is there a ditch out there? Yes, of course there's a ditch there. Yet the power in his testimony is incredible. Some of you will hear a testimony today And it will infect and affect you immediately you it will immediately manifest because your heart is prepared the soil is tilled and you're ready to grab it and it'll happen for you now without anything else when we're done some of you will grab that when someone prays for you praise god and comes in agreement with you and your desire for that to Manifest in your life for you to grab that revelation. Okay. This is really exciting, you guys. This is really exciting. Okay. Honey. This is Allie. For those of you that don't know Allie, my bride. Jesus. Jesus.
2: (laughs) So what I'm going to share today, nobody knows in its entirety except for Bob. I think people will know pieces of it. Um, So I really appreciated what he just shared about that it is not about us because, really, I don't want to share this. (laughs) If I'm if I'm being completely transparent, I really don't. But I will because I know that the Lord highlighted there are people that are going to benefit from it, and so that's all that matters. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying that I, for a while, uh, before coming to Beloved, for a long time before coming to Beloved, actually really struggled with. Um, men and really struggled with what some men in my life had done and because of that had some very unhealthy soul issues and so it kind of started for me when I was little. I don't have a whole lot of uh, memories of it. I just know that I was sexually molested and I don't I, I believe God protected me from the details of that. But I knew, I knew the outline of it, if that makes sense. Um, and there were behaviors and things that made sense to me later based on that. Um, and then when I was 15 years old, my parents were pretty... Um, I don't know if casual is the word, but kind of casual in terms of the, when they talked about, you know, having sex, it was you should be with somebody that you love. It certainly wasn't like you should be married. It was you should be with the person that you love. Um, and so I was 15 and I thought I was just completely in love with this person, this man. And um one day my parents weren't at home and he came over and he wanted to do more than just kiss and I said no I'm not going to do that. And when I told him that he walked out the door and never showed his face again. This was someone that I'd been with for months and you know when you're 15 and you think like you're in love and to just have somebody literally walk out of your life because you just told them that you were not going to be physical with them and never show their face again. And then I found out that there was actually a woman in my town who he had, she was three months pregnant at the time that he was trying to sleep with me. So it really, like, at such a young age, like, I know to a lot of you it's probably like, "Ah, big deal, you know, it's not, but it was, it was one of those things that was in addition to what had already happened, was just another thing, I, I believe, that kind of added to that picture for me of, that's all a guy wants. A guy just wants, you know, sex, that's it. I'm just gonna be really candid today, by the way. <laughs> um, and so I started, that was, that was kind of the, the tapes that were starting to play in my head, that this was really all that, you know, guys were interested in, and, And I was with um, somebody for years who had a really, really significant porn addiction um, to the point where I would walk in on him and it was just, it was very challenging. But I think because he, because he struggled in that area, he was trying to convince me that every man does not desire to be monogamous. And he would tell me that over and over. Guys don't want to be monogamous. They want to be with, you know, women, more than one woman, and so the message that got compounded onto that was, okay, not only do guys just want sex, but they really just, they don't even, I'm not even enough, like, it's not just me, they're going to want, you know, 15 other women, and so it was really, like, these tapes just started, like, accumulating over time, Um, and the messages in my own soul, uh, we're getting, I think, more unhealthy and just like deeper in there. And um, not to go into too much detail, but I had um, someone who who cheated on me and, and the same person. I w- there was a, a situation where there was rape and I don't want to go into any of those details because that is not who I am. And to even talk about that, to be honest with you, is really an odd thing for me because it just seems so distant from the person that I am now and from what's happened to me. So, um, but I say it to say that it was deep. Like those soul tapes were really deep. And, and it played out in ugly ways where, you know, even with Bob, I was just so suspicious of men. I was suspicious of what they were going to do. And what what was Bob gonna do behind my back? And was he going to be the same? And I just was always looking for, okay, is he doing something he shouldn't be doing? Is he talking to somebody he shouldn't be talking to? Is he just constantly focused on like, you know, what he was doing to try to protect myself because I didn't want to get hurt again. I didn't want to get blindsided again. And so I was just always on the lookout, but I knew it was really unhealthy. And I hated it, like hated it. And I hated what I knew that it was doing to Bob. Because here's a man who wants nothing more than to know that his wife trusts him and trusts in him. And here I, I am basically chipping away I really thought I was gonna get through this without crying. <laughs> but here I was, chipping away at who he was and that really, really bothered me. And and so one day, in back in July, July 29th, um, I actually just came to Bob and there had been something the day before and I was kind of having a reaction to something that had happened and I came to him and I just told him that I I was so sick of myself, that I was sick of myself and I was so sorry for this and I didn't know how to change it and I didn't know how to change the tapes in my head. And I was just really upset at what it was doing to him. And he just took me in his arms and just prayed, with me, for me. And, and I just had this, I can't even explain it. It was this incredibly like deep, deep emotional release that felt like it went so far back that it went all the way back. And I just, Bob said, like, I was vibrating under the power. I I don't remember, honestly. I don't even remember. It was just this deep healing that was starting to take place in me. And when I kind of, I don't even want to use the word woke up, but when I kind of woke up from it, (laughs) like, I just kept hearing, there was this tape that was playing over and over in my head. And it was, he's not going to hurt you. 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 To the point where I was starting to get really irritated and i said lord what on earth like why do i keep hearing he's not going to hurt you and the lord showed me it's because all those years i had all those tapes and what he was doing was he was literally replacing the tapes with his voice with a new with a new sound with a new thing and i walked out of that situation literally not the same woman I I can't even explain that. I just It's nothing like I mean, I I don't I don't care any not that I don't care. You know what I mean? But I I don't like I'm so happy when he talks to other women. He's such a blessing to me that I want other people to be blessed by him. And and I'm not I'm not jealous and I'm not suspicious and I'm not worried and I'm not And I just, not that I don't have moments every once in a while where I also have to make sure, like, I'm taking that captive because that's not coming back. Um, But, gosh, I am not the same woman. And I'm telling you, I think I grabbed that in such a deep way that it was all this time I'd believed for physical healing and I'd seen all these incredible physical manifestations of healing in people And I didn't know that I was ever going to be able to heal from that. I'd actually, in my own head, said, I don't think I'm ever going to be any different. I don't think it's ever going to be any different. I couldn't see a way out. And the only way that it happened was because I humbled myself in that moment. And I said to Bob, I am so laden with guilt. I am so ashamed of myself. I am at the end of myself. And I don't like who I am in this. And James 5.16, I actually had Mary pull it up, is, it talks about how we are to, um, 5.16. Yeah, I'm sorry, I told you 5.14, but it's actually, yep. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has, a, has great power to prevail And I realized that that's actually exactly what happened. That word about confessing your sins in the Greek is fully acknowledged. So I couldn't come to him and just say, hey, like, sort of struggling with this thing. No, I had to come like to him and before God. And I had to say, no, this thing is deep. This thing is deep. And I am fully acknowledging my guilt, my shame, everything that's in it. I am not leaving anything on the table. I'm not pussyfooting around it, it's not this little thing, it's this deep thing that has to come out. And so, that's my testimony, (laughs) that's my testimony.
1: I can't not speak to the fruit of that. In her life and the physical manifestation of it in who she is day to day and moment by moment with all of that lifted off of her and being able to be who she was created to be without all of that nonsense afflicting her we just praise God that's the finished work of the cross That's what Jesus wants to do to you in that place. Because it wasn't about me. It was about her being in a place of total humility and submission to what the Lord already did, and she just needed to receive. And then it was done. And it was powerful. Amen. Thanks, baby. If you don't know her physical healings, you need to. For real. She was supposed to be dead decades ago, but Jesus kept her alive for me. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. So you hear us throw around, you are what you behold. Put a cucumber in vinegar, and what do you get? A A pickle. Okay. Brother Larry has been a pickle in our family for a long time. (laughs) Speaks the word of the Lord, is a doer of the word, and blesses people here in ways you probably don't understand because him and Lynn are so stealth at blessing somebody and you don't even know or see what's going on. I can just tell you that Larry has blessed Allie and I and Larry and Lynn in ways... It would take me a long time to even tell you all of them. So they are such a blessing to our family. So, Larry, come on. Um,
3: I guess I sort of want to start back. Uh, My family didn't go to church and, and so they sent us kids to confirmation and back then i was just like i was that was I, I went because mom and dad said i had to go and uh then i got out of high school and met Lynn 1979 and and our first date she took me to her friend's house and well then the second date i had her take her to a 16 Kager and uh Anyhow, she had to drive home <laughs> and but I enjoyed being around her, so she'd go to church every Sunday, and I went to church and But I went to church just because she went to church had nothing to do with jesus and finally, in nineteen ninety five I was driving down the road, listening to a christian radio station, and it was uh I think it was D. James Kennedy, give the invitation to accept Jesus. And and so I did. And uh, when that happened, every time I got off of work, I would go, I'd stop by the gin mill. And she'd go, why can't you just come home? And <sighs> I just thought it was nothing, you know. And when I accepted Jesus, he took that away from me instantly. And I didn't even realize how much a hold it had a hold of me. So then, uh, but I had an anger issue, and that did not quit right away. He took that drinking away, but the anger did not leave. And in 2013, I, had a, I was at a credo. And uh, the day before Credo, I was trying to take the spreader tire off, and, and I couldn't get it off, and I was so mad and effing this and effing that. And, and when I was working with the cows, Lynn would go, you need to settle down, you're gonna have a heart attack. And at that Credo meeting, there was a prophet there, and he was telling about two guys there. And I'd go, what about me? And he just turned and wept. Anyhow, them three guys prayed for me, and I got set free of anger in two thousand January 2013. And um, it was so dramatic. When I come home, Lynn knew something had happened, and I didn't realize what God was preparing me for because by April 1st, I need to back up just a little bit. And um, in 2012 was when I met Steve and he's walking down the road and I stopped and I asked him I says your car break down? no I'm just out for a walk and I go you are four miles from Pearl City you're out for a walk four miles from Pearl City yeah I'm just out for a walk and anyhow Steve was every so often I'd talk to Steve after that and in March, I was talking to him, and i have been looking for the Holy Spirit. And I says, in Acts, I used to pray in tongues and all that. And I says, what happened to that? Steve just grinned. <laughs> <laughs> he, and uh, so anyhow, I went over to Steve's place, and, and Steve and Kay prayed over me, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, then that was in March. April 1st was when my granddaughter fell in a retention pond in Florida. And uh, she was did not have a heartbeat for over an hour. And uh, I don't know why it started, but anyhow it started. And um, I was back and forth from Florida for six weeks. And uh, every day Steve would call. And how you doing? And then he tried to sneak food into my house and I'd catch him most of the time. He'd come over and bring food and everything. And uh, so fast forward. Um, So then I think it was in the fall there was the first time I went to the church in Pearl City because that's when they were meeting It was in Pearl City. And uh, I went there, and you always tell about the ceiling falling in or the church falling in. Well, guess what? The ceiling fell. The whole it started at one end, and it the whole thing just come down. And uh, and that was the first time I had been there. And I thought, man, that must be an omen or something. <laughs> and uh, so, anyhow, um, about four years later. Uh, we were meeting here in Lena, and then um, there was another church in Freeport, and there was a church split. And I was so mad I thought, I am not even going to church anymore. I was just upset about the whole thing. and uh, there was a I was meeting with a men's group in Freeport, and he read out of the, one of the men read out a Habakkuk. And I don't know, I still haven't found that scripture, but I knew this is where I was supposed to be, right here, in beloved Lena. And um, I read Habakkuk many times since then and I can't figure out where that's at, or it, but it, it talked to me that day. And I guess what I wanna say is that Steve's here and this church is here if you got problems, they'll minister to you. But if you want to grow, Steve will get in your sandbox. And Pastor Craig was talking about being offended. Well, over the years, Steve's offended me many times. And uh, the Lord says, get over it. So get over it.
1: this offense thing. Get in your sandbox. That's a really nice way to put somebody offended me. So I'm going to encourage us all to say could have offended me. Got a little bristly. I know for myself I've never gotten a revelation. I've never worked through something that didn't involve some bristly to start with. So praise God for bristly. You know, we're professional fruit examiners, right? Want to know anything about the Lot family? Just look at their fruit, and it's good. Some of it's right here, and over there, and here, from the way they bless me and bless us. We're so blessed, you guys. And Tabitha has been on an incredible journey. Come on, Tab. Tabitha has been on an incredible journey in healing in many different ways. But today, she's going to publicly testify to... This is huge. I'm struggling not to say it. I'm not saying it. But this is a big deal. And the enemy has tried to stop this since this was spoke out it was going to happen. Amen. And I'm not giving him any credit. Amen. Amen.
4: First of all, I want to say that God is so good. He's so faithful. And I love Jesus with my whole heart. He is my everything. When I was praying about my testimony, I was asked to give my testimony on my healing journey with my heart, my physical heart. And I thought I was going to do pinpoints and just all this, but the Lord started to put some things on paper for me. And so I'm going to read it to you and see what the Lord wants me to add, if he does or doesn't. Before I begin, I would like to read Jeremiah 29, 11. For I knew the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. My testimony is a testimony of how faithful God truly has been in my life. And his protecting hand has covered me ever since the day before I was even born. I was due to be born in October, but God had other plans. I was born in September. The day I was born, my mom was at a family gathering, and she was dancing with my uncle, and it threw her into labor. My dad rushed my mom to the hospital to where she gave birth to me. And when she gave birth to me, my parents said that I looked like a plum. I was purple and blue the doctors proceeded to rush me away and shortly shortly after I was born then doctors later came to came to my parents and said that their daughter would need to have heart surgery because my heart had so many holes in it it looked like swiss cheese there was a problem with the Oeda. Artery, I didn't have blood flow to the bottom half of my body, and my heart was two times the size that it was supposed to be. So they gave my parents two options. They could choose to have the doctors do heart surgery and try to save my life, or they could choose to allow me to go to sleep and let me pass on to glory. Of course, my parents said, Do all that you can to save my daughter. Wow, I am very thankful for that. (laughs) So at 18 hours old, I had my first heart surgery. When they were finished with the surgery, this feels so weird because I don't even know who this person is that I'm talking about right now, because I am not that girl. When I was 18, after the surgery, they came and told my parents that they did all that they could and gave me a 30% chance of living. And they said they would have to see how I went through the night, and that if I were to live, it was possible that I would have to have more heart surgeries. From then, from then I had my second heart surgery when I was two. I had my third when I was four. I'm sorry, I had my third. Yes, I had my third when I was four. And then the very next day, I turned five. So between the time I was four, had heart surgery, Next day was my birthday, September 23rd. I went into heart failure overnight, so I had, to have, I had to have immediate heart surgery again. So I've had... At five years old, I had my fourth heart surgery, and when I did, I remember that day that I died on the operating table. And these are not tears of... Sorrow, these are tears of thankfulness for what my God does for me, has done for me. When I died, I was taken out of my body. I looked down, I seen the doctors trying to revive me at the exact same time that that was taking place. I seen the glory of God that was so bright that if our human eyes seen it, you couldn't withstand it. It's not possible. When I felt his love for me and his joy and his peace for me in that moment, it's hard to explain, but the love that God has for us is tangible. That is literally the only word for it. You can feel it. You can touch it, it's this real. Grab it. So every time you put your hands together, I want you to, to feel his love because that's what it is. He's touching you, that is his love. That's how it is. So all of a sudden I wake up in my bed in the hospital, and then from five to nine. At this point, I turned nine, I had another heart surgery. This was my fifth heart surgery. After that, at 10 years old, I was healing, getting better. At 10 years old, I was told that I had scoliosis. There was a 65 degree curvature in my spine. My sp- they said that my spine could crush my lung. Within that period, my lungs had collapsed twice. At one point, the doctor said that I wouldn't be able to sing because I always sang. I was always thankful, I was so happy when I was in glory, it was like the Lord downloaded into me his joy. And so whenever anything would take place in my life, i always seen the bright side of it. I, I smiled and I laughed. I would literally sing to the doctors as I'm being rolled into surgery. <laughs> so I had my fifth heart surgery when I was nine. Then I had spinal fusion. I'm sorry, let me back up. And then through that, I learned that I had scoliosis, went through that. They proceeded to um, put a brace on me. They formed me with a brace. I wore a brace for four years. And um, the curvature was not getting any better. And in the midst of all of that, I find out from what would have been my back doctor at the time, that my valve was leaking, because they put in a prosthetic mitral valve four different times, and my valve was leaking, and that I would have to have heart surgery immediately. So I had my sixth heart surgery when I was 12, still healing from spinal fusion, I'm sorry, not even have spinal fusion. Still still in the brace. I'm sorry, I went forward. Still in the brace. Then I had to have heart surgery. And then when I get out of heart surgery, I'm healing from that. And then wham, at 14 years old, they do the spinal fusion. That surgery was the only one that scared me. Because it was foreign to me. I didn't know what it was. I had never experienced anything like that. Heart surgery was normal to me. It was my life. That was all I knew. I went to church and had heart surgery. That was my life. (laughs) Still I knew that God was faithful. I can honestly say that without the help of my mom and the prayers of the people around me, and most of all, my Jesus, I wouldn't be standing here right now to tell you about the goodness of God in my life. There were times I didn't know if I was going to truly wake up the next day. I just wanted to live So, all throughout my childhood, I went back and forth to the doctors, surgeries, and reports. Without that, sorry. And in that time, my parents were told that it was possible that I would have to have a heart transplant. They were told, I was told when I was little that it would be a possibility that I would have to have a heart transplant someday. But I used to say all the time, without even realizing it, in my brain, I was just so little, and even at 18 years old, I still thought this. But I used to say all the time without even realizing it that I can't can't have a heart transplant because if that person's heart that I got didn't love Jesus, in my brain, It would be as if I didn't love Jesus. So I couldn't get someone else's heart. (laughs) So without me realizing it, the Lord was using that in my ignorance that it wasn't about my physical heart. (laughs) But it kept me from having a heart transplant. I really honestly believe that. So when I was 18, I went to the hospital to have a catheterization to see if I would have to have a heart transplant, and I did not. (laughs) From the time I was 18 to about three years ago, I still went to the doctor faithfully, every month for my blood appointment and the cardiologist. Every year I hated it, but I didn't hate it enough. Just yet but I began to see that I was getting healthier the older I got. The more that I renewed my mind, I was getting healthier. I used to go to the cardiologist every six months and then it changed to every year. So in the year of 2021, I went to the cardiologist and they did a test called an echocardiogram and my doctor called and left me a message and said that he found something on the valve. At that moment, I had a choice whether I was going to believe it or not believe it because I believed the report of the Lord. In my flesh, I was scared. And my pastor helped me through it. He said it was deadly, but what my God says was no. No. I honestly think that the enemy used his words to instill fear in my heart because I started believing what the Word of God said. By his stripes, I am healed. I was beginning to believe it. I started declaring I was going to be off all medication and not go to doctors anymore. Because I had learned about the finished work of the cross and what Jesus has done for me, I started learning how to walk in divine health. In fact, my husband, right there, Craig, had been speaking that over me almost daily. My wife walks in divine health. And I didn't even realize it when he would say it, that it was, it was getting inside of me. But I knew that I couldn't do it in my own strength. It had to be from the Father and His strength. Fast forward to the beginning of 2023. By this time I had been coming to Beloved for three and a half years. I had been learning about the finished work of the cross and soul prosperity. As I continued to start as I continue, I started to learn more and more about God's nature and character and who he truly is. I knew that he would never fail me, never leave me, never forsake me. He's always faithful, always true, trustworthy, and so on and so forth. I started learning how to trust in my God. So the days went on, and every day I would take the medicine that have been on all my life, 39 years. With that much said, I wanted to be off all of it. I believed it. I believed what the word of God said, but yet I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to live without it. I didn't know what it looked like to not take take medicine every morning and every night. I didn't know what it looked like to not go to the doctor. I didn't know how to be healthy. I literally did not know. So I started to ask the Lord. I started to seek him. I started to learn his nature and his character and what he truly had for me. Because that was not what God had for me, but he's seen me through it. And what the enemy caused for harm, the Lord turned around for good. And he is the one glorified. In fact, there were times in my life where I couldn't even get off the couch. My heart pump function was at 26%. I couldn't get up. I was so weak. So, in learning the Father's true nature and character, and learning his finished work of the cross, and learning what he did for me. I knew that he had divine health for me, that that was not my portion. My portion was not to be sick the rest of my life. I started to believe what he did for me 2,000 years ago on the cross. In my head I knew it, but in my heart I didn't yet. it had to become a complete mind shift. I had to completely change my mind and see myself that way, completely healed and restored. Not being off medicine, I mean, being off the medicine, not going to the doctors every month, I had to see that I would take my medicine every day a year ago, and I would look at that medicine as I was jabbing it into my leg and tell it, One day I'm going to be off of you. One day I'm not going to be taking you anymore. I had five heart medicines that I was on. One day I'm not going to, you're not going to be in my life anymore. And I had to start to believe that.
1: I'm sorry. Amen.
4: And I'm off of them.
1: Five. Yeah. How many drugs are you off of? I'm off of five heart
4: medicines. You're I'm off, off five
1: drugs, off and you take none for anything else.
4: Um, no.
1: Amen. You guys, that's a really big deal. These are life drugs. These are the pharmaceutical reps and the doctors saying you'll be on this to stay alive. Mm-hmm. You won't live without this.
4: The Lord told me. Said to the off. enemy
1: as a liar, and look at her.
4: I need to say that he told me to get off of him, and I chose to not go on, to stay on him, chose not to stay on him, and he told me, my covenant I will not break with you.
1: Amen, amen. That's freedom, that's liberty, that's breaking the lies and the curse that the doctors and those really intellectual ones put on our sis. And to watch her for three, is it really only three and a half years? Because you could have told me it was ten and I would have believed you. What she came as the very first time that I ever met Tab, and what I see here is completely a different woman. Praise Jesus. So Pete and Cindy, it's such an honor to have you as part of our family and to watch you guys on your journey together, ministering the gospel in all the ways that you do that and all that you do for our family. Unless you're really paying attention, you might not see things that these two do. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. For our family, and I don't mean just for us meeting right here in the building in this very moment, I mean all aspects, and for our king and his kingdom. And I won't short you on time at all. Okay. So you go.
5: Okay. I'm Cindy Russell and my husband, Pete Russell. We've been um, married for uh, December 20th. It will be 49 years. Okay. We have five adult well children um, married children and 12 grandchildren. Um, we um, are delighted to be here today and it's Pete's turn. We're trying to do the carry and mic thing. Okay. Right. And you're
6: doing great. The senior version Anyways, yes. Well, how did we get to, to Beloved? Um, uh, Cindy and I uh, live south, about an hour and 15 minutes to drive, about. Depends if you're driving legally or not. <laughs> That's when Cindy's driving. No. Right. No. Um, but, anyways, uh, we, we were going to church down there for 25 years, and uh, uh, this is in the Rock Falls, Dixon, Sterling area. And uh, we uh, there was a fellow who started coming to the church there who, was, who had a Bible study going and it, and he was get it was being well attended which was kind of abnormal in a way <laughs> at the church and so uh, but we were so busy with kids it happened on a Wednesday and uh, the, the the Bible study and so we couldn't couldn't go to it but on on uh, summertime. They gave us a break because the kids get involved in sports and stuff, and they don't attend. And so I got to go to these Bible studies. And he started, he was teaching them from books written by teachers, never heard of before. And and Andrew Walmack was the name that came up. And I only myself personally saw him once or twice on TV. But I didn't really know anything about him. But anyways, he mentioned, he says, well, he's going to be in the Chicago area, do you want to go? It's a weekend thing. And I said... Well, I was really interested, so we went, and uh, Cindy and I went. And uh, by the time, uh, just walking in the building, it was just there was something like so different in the atmosphere, and uh, it it was um, very drawing. And uh, but the way that the word was presented, the way that he was preaching, the way he was teaching, and those who also spoke that, it was. I, I was getting things so clearly and simply and I just felt freed up a bit. So by the time that happened, uh, that weekend wrapped up, I ended up signing up to go to Kara's Bible College. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we were so excited because the next day we went to church. And when we went to church and was so excited about this, we felt a pretty good rub from our pastor and he wasn't interested and not, not, not much of much of the other people were either. And so I just knew in my heart that we couldn't be there anymore. And so um, the fellow who had the Bible study going actually came to our church here in Beloved for about a year. And uh, Gordon Young, and uh, so he knew about Beloved, and he brought us here. So the week after I started, I signed up for college, we started coming here, and we never stopped. And so that's how we got to Beloved, and so I'm going to turn this back to Cindy. Yeah.
5: Um, it's great how God can tell you that that's where you're supposed to be. Okay, so, um, well, um, we started coming in, uh, I think, like se- September of 2018, and, right. and um then in uh, March or something, Tom Stammen came, okay, and, and, and he is just awesome, and he got me so fired up about Honduras, and, and then um, that summer, Pastor Steve said, we're going to have a trip to Honduras. Who's going to go? And I'm like, me, <laughs> me, and, and Pete was well into the Keras he had finished his first year. He was going to go in his second year, and he had a mandatory uh, missions trip, okay? So he was, like, not really thinking um, too much about going on that missions trip. Right.
6: Okay. Yeah, and, and actually what happened was, I mean, when you go on a missions trip, be it at Caris or Beloved, you need to get support. You're not allowed to write your own, from your own checkbook. You need to understand this is God calling you to do something. And he's going to bring the money to you, which means you need to humble yourself and obey. And so, uh, I already had one mission trip lined up, and I'm like, "There's no way," you know. <laughs> and so, Steve, Pastor Steve, came to me and said, uh, "So tell me what what would be the reason why you wouldn't be going to Honduras also?" And I said, well, he, he says, would it be money?" And I go. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, "What if that was not a concern?" And I said, "Would he says, Would you go?'" And I said, "Well, yeah." And guess what? I ended up going. <laughs> so that was um, uh, eye-opening because there's so you know, having never really uh, been in a third thir- yeah yeah, we never gone to a third world country. We had no idea what we were gonna experience in it. Just by being a part of this church, many things will open up for you that you never thought. Uh, and, and, and God can all of a sudden put something into your life that didn't exist before, and 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 it started growing. So, mm-hmm. what did you want to go farther? Okay, I guess I got to deal with it. But pand- so obviously, we this church, like many, had a speed bump. It's called a pandemic. <laughs> And uh, this one was a hyper because we got into the governor's face a bit. And uh, that caused a split. And so if I re- recollect correctly, about a third of the folks who were coming to the church up until then left. And uh, that included a bit of the board. And uh, to our surprise, out of nowhere, um, Cindy and I were asked leadership right right. yeah to be on the board uh neither of us have ever been in that that position and so it was way new to us and we needed to learn a lot A bigger picture is what it finally took me a while to gather why we were on the board um and it uh and so uh cindy wanted to share some more here
5: yeah and and right you know around that same time um Pete, Pete was finishing up keras and and in my heart because he had the first year he had um, done done school privately second year in the home. yeah in our home but but he he did it like he'd wake up at three in the morning and watch watches schooling and and I'm sleeping okay and but the second year he um, took it to the the living room and Watched it on the big screen, and I got to watch and I'm like, this is really amazing. This stuff is stuff I need in my heart. So I had not, I mean, he had always been saying, go to Karis, go to Karis, and I didn't want to go to Karis because he was saying go to Karis. That's right. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, but I felt God say go to Karis. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to sign up, and, 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 and Tom Stammen confirmed it. He didn't know me from anybody, and he goes, you're going to go to school, yeah, get, a get a degree. And um, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And, and so I signed up, and I went to Keras after Pete did. So it was, that was uh, awesome, and then, and then in that, that September, we got to go back to Honduras. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: So I wanted to, I felt proud of this, to share this. Um, um, Beloved has a balance that is unprecedented. If you were to look in the New Testament and just as you dig and dig and dig, and you see the activity of the first church and what they do, very close image of that is this church. Um, um, it goes on mission trips. And it, even though Honduras has gotten held up just a little bit recently, there's still trips going on. It's, uh, it's still planned. Yeah, it's still going to happen. I just got kind of hesitated. But, but there are missions trips going on. This church is reaching out to, to Africa. It's going to Puerto Rico. And, uh, and, of course, it sends support in pockets around the world to take care of other missionaries that are in their own lands. Um, it reaches out locally, Lemon Shake-Up Stand, Harvest Fest, which we just had, right, Polly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 4th of July, Stockton reach out. Um, by the way, this, this church also has a school. It's called R. <laughs> it has some awesome teachers. Um, uh, the Grace groups, which is a Bible study on Wednesdays, which are, last I heard, it was like 70% of our church actually goes to grace groups on Wednesdays. Does that sound kind of out of balance with churches that you've heard of? They don't. There hardly is anybody who goes to the Bible study. Okay, discipleship. There's discipleship going on that you don't know about one-on-one, but there's also one for tweens from 10 to 15 years old, and Cindy... Rebecca and Nancy, Nancy are all spearheading that, and and it's pretty wonderful to have kids that age are being discipled. Amen. And then uh, uh, there's also kids' church, which is a w- wonderful. wonderful, great teachers down there. Um, when it comes to the people, the balance of the, the church, there's about an equal representation of men than there are to women which is, what? Really? Isn't it just the ladies that go to church? Not here. Um, also, um, the,
7: the division between
6: ages. There's about a third of us seniors, third middle-aged, and a third Bambi. kids. Yeah. Right. It's just amazing. And it's not like there were programs set up for this to happen. It's just walking in the truth of God's word, the complete work of Jesus, and it just happens. It evolves that mm-hmm. way. And so um, if you're new to Beloved or just visiting, we just want to give you an overview of the place you're sitting in today. So thank you for letting us share with you. We love you all.
1: Amen. Do you see how important each member of this family is? The body being the body. We wouldn't be who we are without Pete and Cindy. It was no coincidence they came. They didn't just show up. The Lord worked it all out for a time such as right now. Deborah Downs, please. (laughs) Deb and her family have been a part of Beloved for a long time, a long time. She has experienced a lot of really good things, and she's seen a lot of really bad things. As this family has grown into who we are right now, and all of the components thereof, which is really important. Thanks, sis.
8: So a little bit about the beginnings. Um, I'm married to this awesome guy. His name is Scott. (laughs) He's a hottie. (laughs) Stacy used to call him Clark. Clark Kent, because he'd wear these dark glasses and look like Superman. Bye, Superman. Anyway, we have seven amazing children. And um, we agreed in the beginning that we were never going to buy our children a car or pay for their insurance. I'm like, okay, sounds reasonable. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that was for us. So my kids had to go out and get jobs to get their cars. So Zach got a great job delivering pizza this awesome guy who had this cute little pizza shop down in Lanark. Little did we know that was the beginning of an awesome relationship. So Pastor Steve used to have a pizza place down there, and Zach got kind of pulled in by Steve's charismatic personality and started going to his church. And he pulled Alex in, and she started going, so I'm like, I am not going to let these kids go to this church unless I know what it's about. So I went, and it was awesome. So fast forward, um, I grew up in a Methodist church, very basic, very religious. You know, you have your two songs, your scripture, your 15-minute sermon, and out the door. Um, but then I got involved in glow, which is a Christian women's group, which was awesome. So I thought, and it still was awesome, opened me up to the gifts of the Spirit, got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1997 through a glow and started operating in the gifts, flowing in the Spirit, prophecy, word of knowledge, speaking in tongues, all that good, great stuff. But with it became a lot of, not a lot, but I was mixing it with all the stuff that I had grown up with, the do good, get good do bad, get bad mentality which was pounded into me from being real little. So I didn't really have a lot of freedom with being bad and not getting struck dead or being good and getting exalted but it was all man which is twisted. It's the way that the world twists things. It's not the way God is. God is good all the time. He sends the rain on the good and the bad. He is good to everyone. Every good gift comes from him. But the enemy wants you dead. He wants you twisted in your head. So I've had to come out of a lot of that um, world way of thinking. In 2019, we went to the first marriage covenant weekend. And totally transformed my view of what Covenant was, what it meant to be married, even though I'd been married all this time, right? I should be pro at this. I was not. I was not a very good wife. I had. Again, if he was good to me, I'd be good to him. If he didn't do so good to me, I wasn't going to be good to him. Totally wrong, totally twisted. But that's all I knew, until I learned what covenant really was. So even just in the last three or four years, covenant has become, just the verbiage of covenant speaking, the way we've been doing around here a lot lately, has become a huge eye-opener for me. So I have this covenant with my Jesus and it's him and me. And I can never do anything good to earn that. I can never do anything bad to chase him away. It is him and me all the way through thick and thin, no matter what goes on in this world. No matter if I get cancer, no matter if I break my leg, no matter if my husband dies, my mom dies, doesn't matter. I will not be shaken. This covenant is solid because God is faithful, and he never, has never failed me. He has protected me. When I look back on my life, I can see all the different ways that he's protected me, my children, my grandchildren. It is absolutely glorious to see all that. And I would never have seen all that had I not come into this church and started to learn real truth. And when it talks about sandbox, yeah, (laughs) Steve really knows how to get in your sandbox. But you know what? Cindy knows how to get in my sandbox. Yep. (laughs) Stacy knows how to get my sandbox. So, you know, we learn from each other. Allie's gotten in my sandbox. So it's good because I trust these people. I trust you guys, and you can trust me. And we're always going to miss it from time to time, but the word of God is true. Nothing compares to the word of God and the truth that is in that. Nothing. You can base your whole life on that and it will be easy sailing. Those mountains will be made low, those valleys will be made high, and you will have easy sailing. Um, So I started to change some things in my heart. Started to love my husband no matter what. And I already knew that he loved me no matter what, which is kind of funny. (laughs) But I didn't always love him no matter what. It was very conditional, and I had to have that heart change. And when that started to happen, he talks about the sacred space. This sacred space with Jesus was great. I had to incorporate my sacred space with my husband and start trusting him with all the deep things in my heart, which I hadn't always done in the past. So that's awesome. So now him and I have this sacred space that nobody else can come in. And then I thought, you know, Cindy and Stacey are getting a lot of growth with this discipleship stuff. I should probably get discipled. So God was telling me to do that probably a year before I actually said okay to it. Don't wait a year, just do it. (laughs) So I started getting discipled, and the sand was just flying. You can picture it, just flying. And... I knew he was right, but I didn't like that he was right. So it would take a while for me to actually concede and be like, yes, I knew." So, but obeying your disciple is like obeying Jesus. Honoring your disciple is like honoring Jesus. It's a person of authority over you. We're all taught to honor authority, right? So he's kind of, not only is he pastor, but then he's in these deep personal places. And... Over time, I have come to realize that he is a very safe place. So him and I have a covenant. It's different than my covenant with Jesus and my covenant with my husband. It's that covenant. It's outside that ring. But I would encourage it. If anyone really wants to grow, let the sand fly. Because... Ain't nothing better than getting those roots out and getting the truth of God in. That changes everything. And having your kids here, they're getting the truth downstairs. My kids have heard the truth since high school and since littler. Um, And if the truth is in you, it makes you free. It's not that you have to work to get free. Jesus is all about freedom. So, that's what I got. (laughs) You're stuck to her.
1: Okay. That's awesome, thank you. You know, we submit to each other in this family. And that's what leads to a little sand flying once in a while. Just don't take the offense for it when you're corrected. Hey, do you really want to speak that over yourself? Anybody been around Brother Craig? (laughs) I want to be like Craig -er. when I grow up. I don't want to miss it. When a brother or sister says something that's counterproductive to their life as a king and a priest, I want to correct them as fast as he does. Truly. Because I don't want to speak like that over myself. Amen? Boy, that was exciting. Okay. Francisco, come on, brother. Everybody loves Francisco, and he's got fruit coming out as fruit. Such an honor to be on a journey with this brother. And today is kind of a big day, but I'm going to let him share that. Some of you might know about that, but this is a really, really big day. And I'm thrilled.
7: Amen. We'll save that for last, saving the best for last. But, sis, if you could pull up Galatians 6.1. I was asked to testify a little bit on my experience and impact of being discipled. So I'm going to reiterate what Sister Deborah said. You probably should consider or just decide, I need to be discipled. I need somebody who is spiritual. No, you need somebody who is mature in Christ, somebody who has more experience than you in whatever area that you need to be discipled in. So let me read it. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Amen. So what would you guys guess that that word any means? Any, okay? So some of us might have maybe financial problems. Some of us might have something in our soul where we're like, man, it's been X amount of years and that thing is still there and I can't forgive that person or I can't get over what they said or what they did. Whatever is covered in that word any, okay? So whatever trespass or whatever area it is that you need to be discipled in, there's somebody in this room that can help you grow and be discipled in that. Amen. And so as I was kind of preparing for this testimony, I said, Lord, I want to use your word. So we're going to look at just Ananias and Saul and look at that entire situation through the lens of discipleship, because by the end of today, all of us are going to be able to identify with both or one or the other, Ananias or Saul. Okay, so sis, if you could pull up Acts 9.15, we're going to read this and then say a declaration afterward that is true about each and every single one of us. Acts 9.15. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 9, 15, 15. but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. Amen. Thank you, Mary. So this is the Lord talking to Ananias after Ananias was like, Lord, I've heard some things about this guy. And for all of you who are in here, who God's calling you to be a discipler, which is all of us you might come across somebody who comes to you and says, brother, can you disciple me in this area? Sis, can you tell me how you have such an awesome marriage? Because mine hasn't been so awesome. And you might be tempted to be like Ananias and be like, Lord, I've heard some things. Lord, this per- I don't want to disciple that person. And I'm going to just reiterate what Pastor Craig said earlier. Just get over it. We've all, we're, we're all called. And I want all of us to just repeat this because this is true about us. Just say, I am a chosen vessel of God. I am a chosen vessel of God. Yes, you are. Amen. Amen. So that verse applies not only to Saul. That applies also to us. Because, see, Saul, when I was reading this, I was like, Lord, I identify a little bit with Saul. Because, I mean, I wasn't ready to go out and kill Christians like he was. But how many of us have ever been ready to, man, that person got in my sandbox. I'm going to leave church and I'm going to go complain and gossip. or I'm going to tell everybody what they said to me because I received that offense, right? We might not be ready to go out and kill Christians like Saul was, but we might be, it might be easy to be ready to go out and do that one trespass that maybe you struggle with a little bit, right? And so that was the case with me before being discipled. Also still a little bit as I have been being discipled, but Galatians 6.1 is the main verse that I think the Lord wants me to expound on this morning because that is the main purpose of discipleship. And that has been really my main experience in being a disciple. There hasn't been any area or any question that I've come to Pastor Bob with where he hasn't been able to, he hasn't been submissive to allow the Lord to use him to restore such a one in gentleness. So the other thing is, too, that we need to know that the Lord's love is expressed through discipleship. He's not going to. So I like the analogy of getting in people's sandbox, right? Because where's sand at? Sand's at the beach. So, like, how many of you guys don't enjoy the beach? I don't see any hands. Oh, some some of you guys are like, nah, I could do without it. Okay, but beaches are fun. So just... Let whoever God leads to you or who God leads you to get in your sandbox and have fun in the sand so that then you can be replacing that sand with the firm foundation of Christ and the word. Amen. So part of when I truly saw Galatians 6.1 come alive um, was when I, I came to Pastor Bob one day during discipleship and it was after... A it was after one of those trespasses that I was like, oh man, this is this is the one. I, I did this thing and it, it's just over with. I'm I'm not a great Christian. I should just, yeah, I'm being discipled, but I, I did that thing and I feel that The Lord is telling me to to tell this person because He's who He brought into my life to disciple me and and help me with it. But in my mind and in my heart I was already decided, I was like, Lord. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to tell them what I did. But he's going to just respond like all the other church people have in the past. He's, he's going to point the finger and say, oh, you dirty sinner. You're, how Have you not gotten it yet? Blah, 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 blah. And lo and behold, because I'm still here, he did not respond that way. Because there, there are actually people in the kingdom who live that verse out. There are actually people within this room maybe even sitting next to you that god wants to use to speak into your life or god wants to use you to speak into their life so that you can restore them with the spirit of gentleness considering yourself least you also be tempted and so when i went into discipleship that day i i left different i i went in just already defeated in my heart and mind, saying, All right, this is probably going to be our last time we even meet for discipleship because after this, I'm, I'm just not going to go back to church. I just, uh, I messed up too bad. But how many of us know that there's nothing that's too bad or too crazy or too dirty for Jesus to clean and redeem and restore? Amen. Amen. And so that is exactly what happened. The only reason that I am here is because. There are truly people at Beloved and in the kingdom abroad that live out Galatians 6.1. There are people that are spiritual. And that that word there in Galatians 6.1 just means mature. And so part of why you probably should be in discipleship, uh, like Sister Deb said, is because you probably are immature in some areas hello, I'm in your sandbox. Let's, let's have some fun. All right. Me too. I am immature in certain areas. And so I need what that brother knows in that area, or I need what this brother knows or what that sister knows in that area. And so all of that to say that um, you probably should be discipled. And I want to just read a little bit after towards um, what was kind of the result of Ananias saying, here I am, Lord, because Ananias still had that intimacy with God where he said, Lord, I've heard some things about this guy. I don't want to disciple that dude. I don't want to go and pray for him. He's he's coming over here to kill Christians, right? Um, but he still was obedient. And so when he got to Ananias's house, it says in Acts 9, 17, probably read 17 through 19, it says... And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. We got to let our disciples, disciplers do that. Let people pray for you. Let people into your sandbox. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me. There are people in here who's God, who God is sending into your life and who you are being sent into their life by God. Has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, part of what discipleship does is that it, if I just went over to Bob and I was like, hallelujah, all over his face and his glasses, what's going to happen to his glasses? They're going to fog up. His sight is going to be impaired. But then his wife is probably going to be like, why did Francisco do that? Here, honey, let me, let me clean your glasses off. And she is going to be doing essentially the same thing that Ananias did with Saul. Because discipleship helps, helps us gain our sight and look back to, to Jesus. Look back to what the word says. Amen. And then verse 18 says, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. There will be times that you guys are both in your sandbox, and the brother or the sister that, that the Lord has chosen to disciple you says that one thing, and it's like, Boom. I got it now. I've never seen it that way. What? Amen. And he received the sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And then 19, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. And the beautiful thing about Beloved and the entire kingdom is that because Galatians 6.1 is true, and because there are actually believers who want to be used by God to disciple you in whatever area that you need it, we get to spend time with each other. Even if you're like the, oh, I'm shy, I don't like people, who cares? The Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And so we are spending some time this morning. And I just want to end with verse 20 that says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Actually, I want to end with verse 22. So verse 22 says, Saul increased in all, all the more in strength. How many of us want to get stronger? How many of us want to be better Christians? Oh, how many of us want to get discipled? Yeah. Hopefully the same amount of hands went up <laughs> because all the more strength we increase in. As if it weren't for Ananias and his intimacy with God and his obedience to God, this verse wouldn't never be there. Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. You're going to confuse a lot of people when you start being discipled and they're like, oh man, isn't it that same guy that used to do that? Or isn't it that same gal that she used to do all this weird stuff or say all these bad things? You're going to confuse some people, but all of that is to prove that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? So let's all together prove that Jesus is the Christ and let's ask the Lord who our discipler is to be.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God and beloved church is the place where you are greatly loved.